Thank you for joining us for the Life Point Podcast. We believe what you're about to listen to will help you experience life change. So let's jump into this week's message. Once again, good morning. Hey, I'm going to ask everyone just to um, do your best to get focused in. Sometimes when things like that happen, it gets uh, things get distracted and detoured, but everyone's being taken care of, and, um, and um, God's still going to do something good this morning. Amen. Um, I just wanted to follow up like I did last weekend and let you know coming up June, um, June 3rd, <laughs> March 3rd, uh, we have a very special guest with us. And, and uh, I told you this, I think last weekend, but um, there were a couple people that I really believe God put on a heart to bring in to LifePoint this year. And we already have two of those confirmed. One of those will probably might be after the first of, of the year. But if God spoke to us about that and people are responding to that, um, God's got um, something very unique and something very specific that he wants to do. And so the first weekend in March, we're having Dr. Bridges here. Um, I think I told you all, if you haven't heard him, go and overdose on him online. He has a real knack for miracles. He has a real knack for dealing with some things in in the spiritual realm. And so I'm going to ask you, first of all, to be here that Sunday morning and help us pack the place out. And make sure you come back out on Sunday night. I know that Sunday night's not a usual thing for us, but if we're having him here for Sunday morning, we felt like we need to add Sunday night. There'll be things for your kids. Now, this is an event as well. Last time, I, I didn't make a big deal about inviting people with you, but this would, because it was more for our church, but this is, this is an event that I would encourage you to invite someone else from, from our community to be here because uh, I believe he's got something amazing uh, lined up for us. And if you haven't watched him, I know I showed this last weekend, but I want to give you a little bit of a glimpse of what it's going to be like, uh, what Dr. Bridges is like. So we're going to roll this little video clip. Let me explain this whole concept. Sometimes, anybody know what I'm talking about? When you're believing God and God is making promises to you, has anybody in this place felt a pressure, if you will, because you hear what God's telling you, but you don't see what God is saying, and the temptation is to recede a little bit in your faith. I don't see the manifestation, so I need to, maybe I need to back off of this. Did God really say this to me? Did God really promise me this? Did God really say I'm going to walk in divine healing when I still got the symptoms in my body? Did God really say I'm going to prosper when there's a negative number in my bank account? Did God really say I'm going to get married when the dating scene looking crazy right now? There's a temptation, if you will, to receive backwards when you don't see the manifestation of your faith. And that's why Paul said, the just live by faith, but if any man draw backwards... You need to do a little church history. The men and women of God that had influence in their generation were people who walked in intimacy with God. That was the secret to their power, that they walked close with God. They didn't seek the gift, they sought the giver. And because they knew the giver, they operated in the gifts. So what happens is that there is a call to every believer to walk in intimacy with God. Jesus made it clear. He said, listen, I'm the true vine. I'm the source of the power. And your job is not to seek the power. Just like the vacuum cleaner doesn't seek the power, the blender doesn't seek the power, the oven doesn't seek the power. It simply responds to its connection. So long as it remains connected, the power is operative. What religion does, religion puts God outside of you. And that's why the religious spirit is performance-oriented, because it only does things when it thinks God is looking. 
act a certain way in certain environments because we think that God's in a building. He is, but it's not the one made with hands, which means that if, if he's in me, there's nowhere I can go. Did you catch that, what I just said? If he's in you, where can you go that he's not there? So it's going, to be a, it's going to be a powerful weekend. Make sure you make uh, your plans to be here uh, for that weekend. Also wanted to let you know, can I hear all the guys in the house this morning? There's one over here. <laughs> Let's do that again. Can I hear all the guys? Oh, that's a lot better. This Wednesday night is our lift night. If you don't know what lift is, it's our men's ministry. We start at 630 in the Generations Building. Um, come, in, uh, come out at 630 and join us, first of all, for cheeseburgers, and then we're going to have a good time together. Honestly, if you've never been to a men's night, I want to encourage because it's hard to get men motivated and moved into some things. Right, ladies? There was no pause. It was like, that's right. Um, Anyways, this Wednesday is our first lift of 2024, so be with us Wednesday night. Are you all ready to jump into the Word this morning? Uh, we have been on a series that we've called Tested and Approved. We've been on this since the first of the year, and it's actually a 10-week series. It's been a long time since we done, uh, have done a, a series that long, but it's been broken up a little bit with some guests and things like that. And how many are glad that there's some things that are tested? I've tried to throw a couple out every uh, weekend just, just to give you an idea. I've, I've talked about how I'm really glad the chairlift at Canaan Valley has been tested. Uh, I'm glad 16-year-olds are tested before they get their license. Anyone else with me on that? Um, glad that elevators are tested. I got two more for you today. This, this first one might be a little weak, but um, I'm glad when you go to a concert, the sound system is tested. They do a sound check. Have you ever been to an event and the sound is horrible? I told you the first one wasn't very good, right? I'm running out, but, but I'm glad that's tested. Here's another one I'm glad I'm tested. How about your water? Anyone glad your water? Anyone ever went hiking before and you're out there and you find a little stream in the backwoods and you get your little filter out, you got to clean the water out um, and, and check it out. Your water needs to be tested. It needs to be tested in your house. One time I was in Mexico and we were in this uh, really remote region of Mexico. I was ministering and they kept telling us over and over, don't drink the well, this one family really got ministered to. They invited me into their house. And guess what the first thing they gave me? A big, tall glass of water. What do you do? You drink it by faith. That's what you do. And so I drank it. I'm still kicking. Um, but how many know you don't want to live uh, on faith for your water all the time in your house, right? So, so there's some things that are tested. Now, if things like that need to be tested, I just want you to know things like your next season, your next level blessing, your breakthrough, and specifically your destiny and purpose in life, you're going to have some to, to, to go through some tests. You're going to have to uh, face some tests, and you're going to have to pass some tests to be able to walk into that next season or that blessing or that next level. Let, let me give you a couple of scriptures that have kind of been our context. The book of James says it this way, brethren, so he's talking to us, count it all joy when you fall into various trials Know that the testing of your faith, so our faith is going to be tested and proven. It's going to produce some patience in our life, but we have to make sure that patience has its perfect work, so you will be perfect and you will be complete. And I like the end of that. You will lack what? Nothing. Here's another verse we've been standing on. This is Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. Be very confident in this. He who began a good work is going to carry it out to what? 
completion. Aren't you glad that God's going to complete what he started in you? Now, if he's going to do that along the way, there are going to have to be some tests we pass. Remember back in school, after you uh, learned a certain subject, there always was a, a, a what? A final or a test that you had to go through to make sure that you knew what you had just learned. You could prove what you had just learned. And so there are tests like that in life that we go through. There, there are tests on our faith. There are tests for us to get to the next season. And here's the deal with God. He, this, is a, this is kind of a good thing, bad thing. The good thing is if you don't pass the test, God will always let you what? Take it again. How many have been through some tests you don't want to take again? So let's pass some tests the first time, right? But every time you pass a test, God gives you more opportunity. God gives you more responsibility. God opens the doors for you. God does some new things. And so this, we're learning that this test thing is not a bad thing. It's just something that we have to go through, uh, different tests along the way. And I wrote this down this morning. I want you to know that success is not a destination. You just don't get to a successful place one day. You don't just walk into a successful moment. Success is the journey. It's the tests you pass along the way. It's the things you overcome. It's the things that God develops in your life along the way. So it's not just you get there someday. It's along the way, this journey that you're on. Someone say, that sounds good. So we've taken all this from the life of Joseph. And let me catch you up real quick before I dive into what we're getting into today. And I just want to warn you, it's going to be good. It's going to, it's going to challenge you, and hopefully it will change you. But so we've been looking at from the Old Testament, the life of Joseph. Joseph was born to what the Bible says was Jacob's favorite wife. And because he was favored by his father, his brothers, the Bible said, they hated him. They couldn't even think of good thoughts toward him. They couldn't think of good things to say about him. And so here's Joseph. And, and Joseph made it worse because he had some dreams and he dreamed that his family was bowing down to him and worshiping him. How many know that's not something you walk up to your brother and say, hey, I see you in the future worshiping me? Doesn't go over very well. And so his brothers hated him for it. Then we go on in the story and we find out that his brothers actually hated him so much, they threw him in a pit and they sold him. Now, you might have a sibling you like to sell or throw in a pit. Chances are you haven't done that. So this is a dysfunctional situation. But they throw him in a pit Along come some slave traders. They sell him into slavery. But the Bible said this, all along God was with him. And God continued to favor him. So he went from the pit. The next thing we find out that he's in Potiphar's palace. So he goes from the pit and he goes from the palace. Now things are going really good in his life. And all of a sudden, this story takes a weird turn. It says Potiphar's wife noticed that he was good to look at. And every day she tried to seduce him. Every day, the Bible says, she came and she tried to seduce him, and he kept resisting her advances, and one day, she came on to him and ripped his cloak off, and she lied and screamed and said that he raped her, or tried to rape her, and so he was imprisoned. So there's some tests along the way that Joseph has had to pass, the same tests we pass. Uh, we started off talking about all of us have to pass the pride test. Have anyone noticed you got some pride in your life? Anyone, your husband or wife, you noticed they got some pride in their life? And we've got some kids, you know, some of your pride is also in their life. Well, Joseph had to pass the pride test. He, he had to pass the pit test. He had to pass the palace test. He had to pass that purity test. We looked last week how you pass the prison test. So there's another test. This is week six. You guys are ready to learn about the next test. So we find that Joseph is in prison. And the story tells us that he was incarcerated for something like 13 years. But while he's in prison, 
He is also incarcerated with uh, the king's cupbearer, and he's also there with the king's baker. And one night, now remember, Joseph is God's favors on him, so he's put in charge of the prison while he's there. But one night, both the cupbearer and the baker, they both had these startling dreams. And the cupbearer had this dream, saw these three vines, and this hand squeezed this wine out of the, out of the grapevine into a cup. And Joseph interpreted that dream. He said, in three days, Pharaoh is going to exalt you back to the position you had. Well, then the baker said, I also had three dreams, and I had grain or bread in a basket on my head, but the birds kept eating it. And Joseph interpreted that dream and said, in three days, you're going to be killed by Pharaoh. Well, the thing is, both of those dreams came true. He interpreted them accurately. And Joseph said this to the cupbearer, when you are restored to your position, don't forget me here in prison. Well, then we learn two years later, Pharaoh was having his own dreams and startling dreams. And as he's having these dreams, the first dream was that seven healthy cows came out of the Nile River, then seven unhealthy cows came and consumed them. And then they saw these seven uh, heads of grain that were healthy, consumed by unhealthy uh, grain. And so Pharaoh was troubled by this, by this vision that he's had. And the cupbearer all of a sudden says, oh, I remembered. Have you ever been felt forgotten? He said, oh, there was this guy named Joseph in the prison who interpreted our dreams correctly. And he, everything he said came true. And so let's, let's pick up in this same spot. This is Genesis chapter 41. Let's read some verses. It says, in the morning, Pharaoh's mind was troubled. So he sent all of his magicians and his wise men from Egypt. And Pharaoh told them his dreams, but no one could interpret them. Then the chief cupbearer said to Pharaoh, today I'm reminded of my shortcomings. Pharaoh was once angry with his servants, and he imprisoned me and the chief baker in the house of the captain of the guard. Each of us had a dream that same night, and each dream had a meaning of its own. Now a young Hebrew was there with us, a servant of the captain of the guard, and we told him our dreams, and he interpreted them for us, giving each man the interpretation of his dream. And things turned out exactly as he interpreted them. So Pharaoh sent for Joseph, and he was quickly brought from the dungeon, and when he shaved and changed his clothes, he came before Pharaoh, and he interpreted Pharaoh's dreams. He said, the seven good cows and the seven good grains represent, there will be seven years of, pros of prosperity. But the scarce-looking cows and the scarce grain means after seven years of prosperity, there's going to be seven years of famine. So Joseph goes on and he says this in verse 33, let Pharaoh look for a discerning and a wise man and put him in charge of the land of Egypt. Let Pharaoh appoint commissioners over the land to take a fifth of the harvest of Egypt during the seven years of abundance. They should collect all the food of these good years that are coming and store that grain under the authority of Pharaoh to be kept in the cities for food. This food should be held in reserve for the country to be used during the seven years of famine that will come on Egypt so that country may not be ruined by famine. So Joseph is telling him what to do now, to store up food for the years of famine. In verse 37, it says this, the plan seemed good to Pharaoh and to all of his officials. So Pharaoh asked him, can we find anyone like this man, one in whom is the spirit of God? Then Pharaoh said to Joseph, since God made all this known to you, there's no one so discerning and wise as you. You shall be put in charge of my palace. All my people are to submit to your orders. 
only with respect to the throne will I be greater than you. So obviously, Joseph's ability to interpret these dreams, to interpret uh, these prophecies, elevated him to the second highest position under the Pharaoh. So let's just look where this young guy who had some crazy dreams from God, he didn't handle it all right. Things happened to him along the way. He found himself in a pit. He found himself uh, sold by his own family. Then he finds himself elevated to the palace. Then he finds that he's falsely accused. And now he is in prison. While he's in prison, God gives him this opportunity to interpret these dreams. Now he's before Pharaoh, interprets these dreams, gives them direction for the future. And now he's second in charge. I mean, that's some crazy twists and turns. And maybe your life isn't exactly like that, but it has some crazy twists and turns. Here's the test I want to talk about this morning. Not only do we have to pass the the pit test and the prison test and all those, there comes time along the way in this journey, there, there comes these times where we have to continue to pass the prophetic test. Not the pathetic test, the prophetic test. You, you might even call this test a test of uh, faith, truth, or accuracy. And once again, this whole story started from Joseph hearing some dreams or, or getting some visions from God about his life. And I thought I would pop this up on the screen to just start things out. If you're wondering how would God speak to you and me, this is how God will most commonly speak to us. You can take notes. You can take a picture. Uh, The first way that God's going to speak to you most consistently is through Scripture. He's going to magnify, amplify. He's going to reveal Scripture to you. He's going to bring truth out. How many know it's important to get into the Word? Here's why. When you get into the Word, the Word's going to get in you. And so the Scripture is going to talk to us. Another way God speaks to us is there are going to be times He just just talks directly to your spirit. From Him, His spirit, to your spirit. He'll also speak to you through dreams, through visions. Anyone ever had a dream or vision that God spoke to you through? Anybody? A couple hands? Yeah. Um, He'll also speak to you through confirming circumstances. You may be going through something and God uses those circumstances to speak to you. And here's the other way God speaks to you. He'll speak to you through others. Someone uh, may walk up and and give you a a word from the Lord. If you were here a couple weeks ago, Gateway Church was with us. Wasn't that an awesome weekend? Um, They just released some. A a lot of you didn't come that night because you were scared God was going to hit you over the head with a prophecy. I'll get to that in a minute. God doesn't do that. Uh, but, But he'll speak to uh, he'll speak to you through others. Uh, whether you know this or not, every time someone comes up to this podium or this table or this stage to speak to you, they're speaking God's vision. They're speaking God's heart. This is how God speaks to us. And I just want you to know that God does speak to us. He can speak to us through any of these ways. But we have to, we have to be able to pass this prophetic test. Everyone say, where are we going? Well, here's where we're going. I want to show you a really, really unique scripture with this whole idea of going to the next level, the blessings, year of victory, walking into your destiny, and using Joseph's life as an example. This is Psalm 105. I'm going to read to you three verses here. Verse 17. He sent a man before them, as you see, Joseph. So we're talking about Joseph here. He was sold as a slave. They hurt his feet with fetters, and he had irons laid on him. Now look at verse 19. Until the time his word came to pass, the word of the Lord did what? 
I just want you to hold that scripture on the screen for me, please. Until the time that his word came to pass, the word of the Lord tested him. How many of how many have ever studied this scripture before? Probably not. But in this scripture, there's something we need to focus on. The word word is used twice here. But every time it's used, it's a different Hebrew word. So that means it has different meaning. The first time you see the word, and it says this, until the time that his word came to pass, that word could mean a prophetic word. It could mean a word you got from God. It could mean a word spoken to you. It could mean a dream you had. It could mean a vision from God. Until the time that that vision or that prophetic word or that word that was given, until that came to pass, the word, now the second time the word is used, it's the word for scripture. Now we know at that time they didn't have a Bible, but to us it would be a Bible until the time that the word that came to you, you got a scripture from God, you got a prophetic word, you got something you're standing on, you got a promise from God, God spoke to you, until it comes to pass, the Bible, the scripture is going to test or prove you. Now isn't that an interesting scripture? So let, let me just um, keep unpacking that so you'll, you'll get the meaning. Until the time comes for the word to come about, Scripture is going to prove us. It's going to test us. The first time the word is used, as I mentioned, it, it means a prophecy, a word spoken, a dream received. Those five things I just put up on the screen. What that's going to do, it's going to test your faith. How many know if you get a scripture and you're standing on it? A scripture popped off the pages, you're standing on it. You're standing on a promise from God. Someone gives you a word from God. They might give you a prophecy. You might have been here a few Sunday nights ago in our gateway team that was here. Someone might have prophesied some things over your life. And those were some amazing prophecies. That What that's going to do is test your faith. When's it going to happen? How's it going to happen? I'm waiting for this to occur in my life. Your faith is going to be tested. But during that time while you're waiting from point A to point B or from point A to point Z along the journey, you're still, just like Joseph was still believing, he was still working through some, some issues, he was still going through some challenges. During that time, while that word about your future, your destiny, your blessing, your next season, your breakthrough, during that time, Scripture is going to test you. Not, it's not, scripture is not going to test your faith, it's going to test your character. Now, isn't that a cool scripture? The all along, in other words, let's just say it this way. While you're waiting for the word to come about in your life, the Bible's going to work on you. It's going to work on your character. You know why? Because God can't move you into your future unless he does some work on you right here and now. Now, this isn't on the screen, but here's what the word of God always does. First of all, can we all say this together? The word of God is awesome. It's essential. I can't live without it. Well, now that we're in agreement about that, here's, here, this isn't on the screen, but here's what the Word of God does. The first thing the Word does is when you get in the Word, it starts to inspect our life. It, it starts to evaluate things in our life, and it, it will inspect us. Second thing it does is it starts to correct us. So anyone who ever preached to you that the way God corrects you is he puts cancer on you, that's not truth. He corrects you with the word of God. Thank you for all the warm and fuzzy amens. So the word of God inspects our life. It begins to make correction in our life, and it gives us direction. That's what the word does. It inspects us, it corrects us, and it directs our life. Anyone glad for the word of God? 
That's what the word is. The, the word is Jesus. The word is truth. That's how God uses his word to inspect. So during the time you're waiting for something to be fulfilled, God's going to use the word of God to inspect you, correct you, and direct you. How many know that? That sounds better than I, now that I explained it, right? Then bring it on, God. Bring the word of God onto my life. Because you might have areas of your life. Let's just say you've got fear operating in your life. Well, that fear could keep you from walking in your destiny. So God needs to take the Bible and needs to inspect that fear, begin to correct that fear, and make some different direction in your life out of overcoming that fear. Because you can't walk into your next season with that fear. So God wants to do some surgery on that fear. How does he do it? He does it with the word of God. The word of God is Jesus. Are y'all getting it? it you, you might not, maybe it's not fear that you're dealing with. Maybe, maybe, it's, a, maybe it's, it, it's a certain habit in your life. And so what does God want to do? That habit could keep you from your destiny. Maybe it's offense or unforgiveness. It will keep you from your destiny. It will keep you from your blessing. It will keep you from your next level. So what does God want to do? He wants to take the word, begin to inspect that area of your life. He wants to begin to correct that area of your life and create direction for your life. So sometimes we're wondering why God isn't doing something. God, you gave me this word. I'm standing on this promise. You got, I got a prophecy about something. God, it hasn't happened. Well, maybe we need to keep letting God work on some areas of our life so he, he can get us ready for the next level. He can get you ready for the next season. He can get you ready for the next blessing. Someone say, that's good right there. Let me read you another scripture. This is in 1 Thessalonians. It says, don't quench the spirit. And don't treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all and hold on to what is good. Well, prophecy could be someone prophesying. It could be the word of God prophesying over your life. It could be a vision prophesying over your life. It could be a sermon prophesying over your life. And the Bible says don't get into contempt over them. The Bible actually says test them, hold what is good. So I want to tell you, obviously I always preach with three points every chance I get. Sometimes I'll add a few more, but Father, Son, and Holy Ghost, right? So um, let me tell you how you hold on and how you receive a word or how you test the receiving of a word. Sound good? Once again, we're, we're working our way through these tests, and one of them is, is the prophetic test. How, how do I make sure that I'm testing these words, whether it be from God. Y'all getting it so far? So here's the first, the first test is the accuracy test. The accuracy test. And this, this, is, this, is, a, this is a huge one. And I want to explain this to you because this is, this is going to help you um, so much. We have to understand that the word of God, everyone say the word of God. It has to become the absolute standard for our life. And if you've been here for a while, you probably figured out we preach a lot about the word. We preach a lot about faith because the word of God has to become the absolute standard for our life. Everything in our life has to be measured to the word of God. A lot of times, though, we live in a culture or sometimes we can fall into some religious habits where the word of God isn't the standard. The word of God is what everything is measured by, but sometimes we measure it with things like our opinions. Not you guys, but some other people. We measure by our opinions. Sometimes we measure by science. Sometimes we measure by education. Sometimes we measure by politics. Sometimes we measure by philosophy. And sometimes we measure by our feelings. But I want you to know the Word of God exists outside of education, science, feelings, philosophy, all of that. 
You've got to make the Word of God the absolute standard in your life and compare everything to it. Compare your financial situation to it. Compare your physical diagnosis to it. Compare your thoughts to it. Compare your relationship issue to it. Compare whatever it is to the standard of being the Word of God in your life. I remember several years ago, I've been around long enough, you've been here for a while, you've heard my stories, they get better every time I tell them, because I just, you know, make them sound a little, a little enhanced, but if you're new, it'll be a new story, right? So several, several years ago, I worked at, at a church that once had this facility, and God spoke to me one day, he said, you're, you're going to pastor there. I didn't go tell everybody, I just stuck it on the shelf, and, and I know you know this story, but, but God spoke. And then it looked like it was working out. And then all of a sudden, they fired the whole staff. I moved out of state to a whole different state, a whole different church. And I remember thinking, what just happened? You ever been in that situation? God spoke something. It didn't seem like it was going the right way. And almost 20 years to the date, God put us in this building. Now, what I'm saying to you is not so much about me, but if God gave you a word... Hold on to the words. God gave you a word. If it takes him 10 years, 20 years, but all along, I I want you to know God's working on some stuff. If God said it, he's working on some stuff. Working on some stuff in you, working on some, some stuff around you, working on some stuff you don't even have anything to do with. He's just working on some stuff. The Holy Spirit is working on some stuff. And were there moments I didn't, were there moments I didn't know what, why, what was, absolutely. But I knew God spoke to me. And maybe there's something God's spoken to you or word spoken over your life. And I want you to know, if it was accurate, do you keep holding on to it? You you measure everything by what God is saying in his word. What God is saying, even if the feelings aren't there, even if things are challenging it, you hold on to it. Look at someone else next to you and say, he's talking to you. What if I told you this statement? Listen to this statement I'm about to read to you. Reaching your destiny depends on how well you know the word of God and how well you obey it. You walking into the marriage you want, you walking into the career you want, you walking into the spiritual levels you want to, what if it totally depends on how well you know the word of God and obey it? Because unfortunately, we're in a culture that has I mean, we all have X amount of Bibles in our house, not only in our house, we have them on our phones now, but yet we're, we're somewhat biblically illiterate. And we need to be word people. Not just knowing the word, but obey. Do you know that if you're not knowing, if you're not learning the word and obeying it, you can't walk into your next level blessing. You can't walk into your next season. You can't get there without knowing the word and trusting the word and obeying the word. Here's the deal. We want to get to those next level. We want to get to our destinies, but we're unwilling to know the word and obey the word. I mean, how well are we we forgiving? How well are we casting off strife? How well are we tithing? How well are we being submissive? Those are things the Bible tells us. We got to get to know those things and and obey those things so God can open the doors to the next level. Now, if you haven't obeyed those things, doesn't mean God doesn't love you. doesn't mean you're not going to heaven. I'm just saying those are the things God wants for our life. Amen? He wants those things for our life. And so the, I want you to know that if God speaks something to you prophetically, or through, it, 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 it will never conflict with the word of God. If it's a real word from God, it will not go against scripture. It will always be in line with the scripture. 
You know, I, I, I remember a few years ago sitting across the table from, from uh, a, a, a person, and they were telling me all these, all these things. And I looked at him, and I said, I, I'm not going to try to sound rude to you, but you're wrong. And I said it real nice. And he, what do you mean I'm wrong? It's what the Holy Spirit's telling me. And I said, the Holy Spirit can't tell you that because it was absolutely opposite of the Word of God. I said, the Holy Spirit will never tell you something that's opposite of the Word of God. And he stuck his chest out, and he said, no, the Holy Spirit told me this. We got to be careful that we're, telling the Holy, we're saying the Holy Spirit told us something that the Word of God doesn't say. That's not the Holy Spirit. That's your opinions or your flesh. And in charismatic circles, I have seen that we get ourselves in trouble because we're trying to follow the Holy Spirit, but we don't have enough Word in us. I'm just being real with you this morning. We, we need the Word and we need the Holy Spirit. We need them both. Joseph Prince said, if, if all you have is the Word, you're going to dry up. But if all you have is the Spirit, you're going to blow up. But if you have them both, you're going to grow up. I think he's right about that statement. But we got to look at our lives and say, the Word of God is the standard in our lives. And the way we get to know God is through the Word. That's how we get to know God. So the Word of God, everything in our life has to pass this accuracy test. And the Bible says it this way, uh, uh, um, if it's in the Word, it's yes and amen for you. If it's in the Word, it's yes and amen for you. It didn't say maybe and sometimes. It said yes and amen. In other words, if God said yes, you put your amen to it. God said something in the Word about healing, didn't he? God said a lot about prosperity, didn't he? God said a lot about freedom, didn't he? God said a lot about overcoming, didn't he? God said a lot about being blessed, didn't he? Well, then you need to put your yes to it. Anything that says otherwise, even if you feel it in your body, even if you sense it in your mind, even if you struggle in your heart, we compare it to the Word of God. If I'm dealing with sickness, I compare it to the Word of God. But what's going to happen is the Word of God is going to test you during the season to see that the Word, of, the word from God comes true. Are y'all hearing me? I know this is a little deep on Sunday morning. Somebody say, that's good right there. So it has to pass this accuracy test. It also has to pass what I call um, the attitude test. The, everybody say attitude. You know, if, if something comes to us or somebody prophesies or someone gives us a word, we have to check the attitude from where it came, how someone gave it, how it was said. Uh, if you were here a couple of Sunday nights ago with Gateway, um, there was not one condemning word in the house. I remember back in the day, if someone gave a word, I'm like, I'm like, there's a prophet coming. I'm like, I repent of this and this and this and this and this before I got to church. Anyone do that? <laughs> but the word of God, it doesn't operate that way. It operates in the right attitude. I remember another story. I had a, a person that, that worked for me, and I had preached, this is early on when I first actually moved to West Virginia, and I said this on a Sunday morning. I said that uh, just because you commit suicide doesn't mean you go to hell. And this person got upset that I preached that, and by the way, that's true. I mean, you, you could have sickness in your body, doesn't keep you from heaven. You can have sickness in your mind, doesn't keep you from heaven. If you're a believer, actually, when I spoke at two people that had 
children that had committed suicide were set free that morning that I said that. But one person wanted to have a meeting with me. And they came with scriptures, pages of scriptures. They were angry. They were all out of context, by the way. And I just kept saying, I'm not going to argue about this. I mean, if you want to believe differently, it's okay. And he was letting me have it. It went on and on. And I said, well, wait a minute. I said, so you're telling me that um, you, have, you go to church, you have a good morning. You're going down the street. Someone cuts you off. You say a word you shouldn't. If your car goes over the hill and hits a tree and you die, you go to hell. He goes, that's absolutely right. So that's not the Bible I've been reading. It went on and on. Finally, I said, stop. I said, you need to get yourself. You need to go. You can't work here anymore. Because the attitude that it was given him. I just want you to know, when you get a word from God, when you get a promise from God, it should do some things in your life. It should never condemn you. It, it should never confuse you. And it should never cause conflict. But what should it do? It should strengthen you. It should encourage you. I'm talking about these are the things that the word of God produces in our life. And when we, when we give a word or someone says a word and there's the wrong attitude and the person given it and the condition of their life just isn't right, I want you to know they can say some things over you. Remember what we read? We're supposed to test these spirits. If I get up here and preach and condemn you, that's not the right spirit. Now, there's times we bring correction, but how we do it? We do it with the word of God. Are you all hearing me this morning? Well, what are we talking about? Once again, we're talking about Joseph, who in, in Joseph's life, he's trying to follow the destiny God has for him. He's, he's on this journey, and lots of things have happened. And there will be some things that happen along the way, but, but you've you got to be able to hold on to the word he gave you. You've got to be able to hold on to the promises he gave you. You've got to be able to hold on that he's a healer, that he's a deliverer, that he will set you free, that he's going to bring you from point A. He's going to bring you into your good place. So the attitude, here's the last one, here's the last one. So it has to pass the accuracy test, the attitude test, and it has to pass the after effects test. So what does the word of God cause in our life? I sort of started building on this a second ago. It won't confuse you. It won't conflict, it won't condemn you. But what will it do? It will encourage you and strengthen you. How do you know it was from God? There'll be peace. There'll be comfort. There'll be faith. There'll be confidence. You'll be pumped up. Maybe we say it that way. It's going to produce something in you. It's going to increase your expectation. It's going to increase your anticipation. Because you're going to have something that you're going to hold on to through the prisons, through the pride, through the pits, to the good times and the bad times. And this is what was going on in Joseph's life. Because he was able to hold on to that word. He was able to speak what God wanted. And God elevated him. So did you hear what I just said? You got to hold on to what God said. Speak what God said. And let God put you in the places he wants to put you. Whether it's ministry. Whether it's a career path. Whether it's relational. However it might be. Guys, I want you to know this. We got to be able to hold on to the words of Jesus. We gotta be able to hold on. That's the only way. Because what do we say? That the Bible is gonna test you while you're holding on to your word. 
How about this? We started off the year. Uh, we ended the year. We came into the year. And I said, God told us back in August and September, told me and Pastor Diane to prophesy or to declare or put this vision before you that it's your year of victories. Now, let's, let me ask, how many have already had some victories? Just be honest. Just throw your hand up. You've had, you've had some victories. Put them up high like, you, like you're happy about it. Okay? Great. How many of you, since the year started, though, have had some challenges? Anybody had some stuff break? You had some body parts break down? Maybe you had some, some neighbors break down, some works? You just had some, right, some challenges. Whether you have seen all your victories or you haven't seen any victory yet or you're in the process, I want you to know what you're going to have to do over the next X amount of months is hold on to that prophecy. Hold on to that word. So when we gave that word, some things probably went off on you. You were excited. I gave you all little red flags, and you're like, woo, woo. I had the big red flag. Y'all remember that? It was only like four weeks ago. Y'all remember that? Maybe six, right? So, and you were excited. We spent the whole month of January on Wednesday nights talking about that. You were excited. It put some comfort in you, put some strength in you. That's what the word of God does. It puts some confidence, some anticipation, and some expectation. But it's different when you're sitting here and you walk out there, you still got to hold on to the prophetic word. You've got to hold on to the word that you're healed. You've got to hold on to the word that you're blessed. You've got to hold on to the word that God's restoring. You've got to hold on to the word that God can and God will. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to start to land this plane with... with a really, really cool thought. Because I want all of you to be able to hold on to the Word of God. How, how do you hold on to the Word of God? How do you go through these things and hold on to the Word of God? Maybe it's been some time. Maybe it didn't happen as quick as you wanted it to. I like the microwave faith, don't you? Put it in the microwave, it takes like a minute. But how many know it never tastes as good as it does in the stove? But I want you to think about this. So we have the word of God. And the Bible says this, Jesus taught this. He said, one day a sower went out and he sowed some seed. And he had that seed and the seed is the word of God. It's the promises in the Bible. It's the things Jesus said. It's the things God spoke. That's seed. And I want you to know, the most powerful thing on the planet is a little seed. Because in that seed is the ability to not only duplicate, but multiply. And so the Bible says the sower went out, and he was sowing seed, or he was sowing the word. I know you know this parable, but there were four different types of soil. And the first seed fell on the first soil. It said that it was the hard soil. And because it was a hard soil, the seed couldn't penetrate, it couldn't get in the ground, and there was no harvest. You see, if the seed is the word of God, the soil is our heart, it's our lives. And if our heart becomes hard soil, or our lives become hard soil, I want you to know that the word of God can't, re it can't reproduce. And there are things that make our, our hearts hard. Sometimes we've grown up through some things. Sometimes we've had some people done, that have done, done the wrong thing to us. Some people have abandoned us. Some people have lied to us. Some people have rejected us. Some people have done some, some things have happened, just like Joseph went through. And if you're not aware, your heart will get hard. 
If your heart gets too hard, the word of God can't penetrate. The prophetic word can't penetrate your heart, can't penetrate your life, and the seed can't get in there, and it can't produce your blessing. It can't produce your future. It can't produce your next level. You've got to watch it. Your heart doesn't get hard. Anyone ever had an opportunity for your heart to get hard? Man, offenses, unforgiveness, bitterness, things didn't go our way, someone didn't notice our new haircut, all these things happen. And our heart gets hard. See, Joseph had to guard against that. You'll see by the end of the story, he didn't let his heart get hard. But there was a second soil. It wasn't the hard soil, but the Bible said it was shallow. It, and it happened this way. You hear the word, and you get all excited. Woo, year of victory. Go, pastor. Go, pastor. And you're all pumped. You got your card. You got your goals. You got all this stuff. But because there's some shallowness, said the birds came and they ate it. What that means is we get excited, but we don't let the word of God really get down there and penetrate and change our way of thinking, change our way of living, and change our way of speaking. And we stay shallow. We don't want to be shallow believers. We don't want to have a shallow church, but there's a lot of shallow believers and there's a lot of shallow church, churches. So it can be shallow. Then, then there was the third type. The Bible calls it thorny ground or weeds. And what that means is the word came, the seed came, but when it started to grow and sprout, worry and worldliness and just the things of life choked it out. That's right. If we're not aware, the word of God can get choked out in our life. You're believing for this. You're on your way to this destiny, this blessing, or this promise. And there's some stuff that can choke out the word of God. But then there's this fourth type of soil, or this fourth type of heart. And the Bible just calls it the good soil. And the Bible says the good soil produces a great harvest. Good soil. What makes your heart good soil? Well, first of all, that you are, I would just say it this way. We're talking about the word of God. I, I, this is the way I wrote it down, that you just have a readiness to receive the word. You're just ready to receive the word. If you open the Bible, have you opened the, ever opened the Bible and like it just jumped off the pages and you're like, oh my gosh. But let's just be real. Have you ever had a, more, a, a day you open it and you're like, eh, so such and such begat such and such. Can't even pronounce those names. Whether, whether you're fired up about what you read or just consistently being ready to receive the word. If you come in on Sundays, you better come ready to worship, but you also be, you better come ready to, to receive the word. I spend a lot of time saying, God, what do you want said on Sunday? We just got to be ready to receive. I'll take it. I'll take some of that. Give me some of that. I needed to hear that. Mm -hmm. My wife needs to hear it. My, my, my husband really needs to hear it. My kids, where's my kids? My, my kids need to hear it. But we're ready to receive. I mean, if you come to do anything on Sunday, you better be ready to receive. Because one word at one moment can change the course of your week, your month, your life, your year. You know, from the time I came here, people said, oh, that, that's that word, church. I don't really know what else kind of church I want to be or even should. We should be word people, right? We should be a word. I mean, I know what they're saying, but we should be. So we have to have this readiness. We're ready to receive the word. Matter of fact, when we get up and we open up the Bible, you ought to be like, ooh, here it comes. Here it comes. 
So it's just as ready. There should also be this eagerness where we're ready to get into agreement with the word. Not just hear it, but agree with it. That's why when you're sitting in church, whether you're sleepy, whether whatever is going on, that you need to, you need to have something like this going on. Mm-hmm. Amen. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Come on, homie. You got to have something stirring up inside because you're like, I'm getting in alignment with that. I'm getting... The only way you can get to your destiny is get in alignment with this. You can't get there on your own. If you could, you'd be there, but you haven't gotten there. He's got to get you there. So what you got to do is get in line with the word. Well, I, I got to change this, this, and this. Well, if you get in alignment with the word, he'll tell you what to change. He'll help you change it. He'll help you alter it. But just this, what if we were just ready to receive? It's like, well, impress me this morning, pastor. Make me feel good. Tell me how prosperous I am. What if you can't get prosperous because there's some things out of line? Don't talk about tithing. Just talk about prosperity. We can't do that because we got to get some things in line. And then we got to be diligent to apply those things. That's what a ready heart. That's what holding on to the word. Can I give you a scripture? Can you all handle this? This is at the end of that parable I just told you. But the seed in the good earth These are the good hearts. Look what it says. Who sees the word. Thank you for your enthusiasm. These (laughs) are the good hearts. Any good hearts? I just told you what a good heart was. You're eager to align yourself. You're diligent to apply. You're ready to receive. Anyone like that? All right. So these are the good hearts. They seize the word and they hold on to it no matter what and they stick with it until there's a manifestation, a harvest, a breakthrough, a blessing, a healing, provision, restoration, a miracle. Come on. Amen. You need to notify your face that you believe that this morning. Amen. Well, there's four types of heart. This isn't rocking science. We know which kind of heart we need to have, right? And listen, it takes some submission. It takes some working with the Lord. It takes some things to keep that heart where you're ready to receive the word. I'll just say this to you. We're talking about a prophetic word. It's the word of God that's going to get you across the finish line. It's the word of God propelled by the spirit of God that's going to get you into your blessing, into your next season. But see, the thing is, sometimes you'll sit here on Sunday and be like, oh, this is good. But Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday hits... Some things come at you, and we, t- we have a tendency to back off that. Now, I don't know if God really said that. I don't know if that's really for me. I mean, I'm trying. Hold on to the word. Seize it. If God said it, settles it for me. It doesn't settle it until you have a challenge. It just settles it. Did you all get something good? But there's going to be times on this journey to your destiny, to your breakthrough, to your freedom, your next that you got to hold on to what Jesus said because you don't feel like it and it's not happened yet and public opinion is not in agreement but you got to hold on seize the word that's what the good hearts they seize the word until the manifestation of the harvest amen isn't God good can we praise him for a moment father we praise you father we glorify you father we exalt you father we magnify you father we glorify you Do you know every word in that Bible is a prophecy over your life? It's a prophecy over your life. 
well, Pastor, and you don't know, I messed it up. I, I've had a failed business, failed marriage, failed this. No, it's a prophecy that God restores. You're a conqueror. You're not done till you're done breathing. I mean, it's a prophecy over your life. It's a prophecy that you're an overcomer. You are a conqueror. Elbow somebody and say, he is prophesying to you. It's a prophecy over your life. Little old you. Well, Pastor, and I've, I've been a bad dude. I've done some stuff. Do you think you're badder than God's grace is gooder? I know it's not a word, but I'm just saying. You think that your mistake is stronger than God's grace and mercy? Come on, he's not done with you yet. He said it. I'm not, I'm going to finish this work. I'm not done. I'm not done. I'm not, look at your spouse and say, okay, you're off the hook. You're not done yet because God is still working. He can still change. He can still change some things. He can still, God has superpowers. They're the power of restoration. God, God can restore some things. He can resurrect some things. You got to hold on to that word. He can, he can mend some things. Amen. He can set you free from some things. He can break addiction. It, it, it could be opi, opi, opi oil, opioids. Opi, you know, whatever that is. He can, he can set you free from that. But you know what? Fear is an addiction too. Depression is an addiction too. But I want you to know, depression's trying to hold on to you. But if you're holding on to the word, one of the two has to go. And if you keep holding on to the word, eventually depression's going to go. And the Bible says this. This, this is like non-note stuff, okay? The Bible says this, that here's how you hold on to the word of God. We talked about the good heart, but it says this. You hold on to the word of God by the confession of your faith. It's this big Greek long word, homo legeo. Homo means same. Legeo means the word. It means you're holding on to what God said with your words. With your words. We're going to hold on to it. I, I, I'm, I'm over this addiction. I'm, I'm, I'm free from fear. I'm, I'm free from, from depression. I'm free from I'm free from it. God said it. That's my prophetic word. I'm standing on it. I'm standing on it. And you may feel like you go to the pit in the pit, the prison a few times, but guess what? He's gonna bring you to the palace. He's gonna bring you up and out of it. Why? Because he said it and you were crazy enough to believe it, and you're you you were strong enough to hold on to it. That's what we have to pass the prophetic test. God's good. Isn't God good? Isn't God good? Hallelujah. Someone say he's good. Come on, praise him like he's good. Father, we praise you. Father, we magnify you. Father, we, we rejoice. Mm. You know, as I was doing that, I just got this little mini vision of a finish line. And I saw so many of you with your bags. And you weren't very far from crossing that line. But I saw you setting your bags down and crossing the line. So that tells me we got to let, let go of some stuff. Let go of some stuff. It's, it, you're about to walk over. you got to let go of some of that. Like someone said, he's, he's prophesying to you. <clears throat> Man, some of that <clears throat> is just a religious spirit. It's just a religious spirit. This is not a religious message. To preach to you to hold on to the word of God is not a religious message. That's a spirit-filled, spirit-anointed message. The 
let go of that luggage. Let it go. Told someone the other day, I, I read this one time, sometimes you got to have the why file, and you just file it there because you may not always know why, and you just file it there, and you're able to trust God even if you don't know why. There's freedom in that. And that one, don't put it there, then pull it back out. I'm like, I'm just checking to see if maybe, he, he, no, just put it there. Amen? Amen. 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 And I feel like I'm supposed to do this. If you, if you are in that young adult crowd, that 19 to 29-ish crowd, can, can you throw your hand up if that's you? Actually, can you stand up if that's you? Now, not your 60, but I'm got the youth of the Lord. That's not what I'm talking about. <laughs> Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you to do something even crazier. Can, can you walk up here? Just, just make your way up. I'm not going to do anything weird. I'm not going to do anything strange to you. You know, we started a lifestyle, young adult ministry this year. I just want to tell you all, you all need to come to it. But I wanted you to walk up here because I want to make you accountable to something. And this is, this is what I sense in here. Um, I sense a movement. I sense a movement. And this is what God wants me to speak of. It's a faith movement. Now, in this age group, there's been a real worship movement. And I think God's going to flood our house with your age, with worship. But he's going to do something else. Because if there's one thing the devil wants to do is he wants to crush the word of faith. He wants, to, he wants to steal the word. But I want you all to hear me. He's about to do something really unique in this culture. Because here's what they say. Y'all don't know how to be married. Y'all don't, don't know how to move out of the house. Y'all don't know how to have families. They just say this about you. Y'all have heard it. I want you to know this. They're right. But they didn't take into account that y'all are full of the word. Y'all are full of faith. Here's what that means. Here's what that means. You, you, you will succeed. You will be blessed. You will have good families. You will have good prosperity. God will do good things in your life. Why? Because he's breathing on your generation. He's breathing on your culture. That, listen. Listen to me. Analysts have already written you off. But they didn't design you. They didn't design you. See, a lot of you are struggling with this fact. You, don't, you may not know like who you are, where you came from, all that kind of stuff. But the Bible says this in the book of Psalms. It says, before you ever breathe your first breath, he wrote the days of your life in a book. All you got to do is say, God, what's in the book? What's in the book? And, and I'm assuming I'm looking at the crowd of people. Anyone up here done everything right? Anyone up here just, just forget they're here? Any of you like... like like mess some stuff up. That just makes, you know, our message just makes us a candidate for like God's miracles. It really does. It makes us a candidate. For, Bob said we overcome by the word of the Lord. Aren't we talking about this morning? And your testimony. Well, what's a testimony? I've gone through some tests, haven't passed them all. He brought me through them. I give him the glory. I'm still standing. He broke the addiction. He broke this over my life. He broke that over my life. I just want you to know God's breathing on your generation. He's I don't know what he told me this the other day. I forgot about it this morning. He said, do this. So if you're back there, would you stretch your hands up here? If you're up here, would you just do this? 
Father, I thank you for this crew that's up here, this young adult crew. And God, there's a, there's a, a bunch of them up here. And God, I speak, I prophesy over their lives that, God, they would have a boldness from heaven. God, they would not fall to the statistics of their culture. God, you would use them to alter their culture. God, they would be a, a, a current of change. And God, I pray that their hearts, their minds, their lives, their wallets, and their bodies would be blessed from heaven. They'd be blessed with good things from God. God, they're not going to be distracted. They're not going under. God, they're conquerors. They are conquerors. Hallelujah. Here's what God told me to tell you. Every one of you, look at me. Y'all are champions. Y'all are champions. Y'all are champions. Y'all are champions. Amen. Amen. Can we all stand? Can we all stand? Can we all stand? Y'all can go back to your seats. Thank you guys so much. Um, here's what we need to do to end this service this morning. Aren't y'all glad you came? Um, we need to ask God. I say this at the end every week. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? From this message today, what are you saying to me? Thank you for listening to the LifePoint Podcast. We want to encourage you to subscribe and follow so you don't miss a message. For more information, you can visit lpcwv.com.